0: Good morning. Happy New Year, Grace Community Church. Good to see you. I'm Rock Bottomley, and uh, Bev and I, glad to be back. We, uh, uh, you know, I'm officially retired as a pastor, so we get to go wherever we want, and we want to come here in January. <laughs> Oh, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, many of you, uh, Bev and I met before, and it's good to see uh, some past friends. Wonderful to be back and see you. Some of you have come since we were here last. We were here last winter, and, uh, but we've come back. We're going to spend the next three months here with you guys just to be part of the family and, and part of the ministry here. And uh, I just want you to know we are delighted to be back. You know, both Bev and I, it's interesting, we were both born in Detroit, and uh, we left when we were young and we're gone 60 years, and then came back to be with you, and so we feel like, when we, I told Bev, when we crossed, you know, we came up from Ohio, from to Toledo, up that highway, and, and when we crossed, and saw the state sign there. Hey, we said, hey, we're home. We're back. This is our roots. This is where we started, and uh, so we're glad to be back. We're also glad to be back here at Grace, and uh, I just want you to know, you know, sometimes it's helpful for you to hear from an outsider who comes and looks in from the outside. Because when you're inside, it's like a family. You know all the warts and you know all the blisters and all the pimples and zits and things. And, you know, but you just need to know this is a really good church. And uh, that's, that's true. And I... Uh, this is not. This is not flattery. You just need to know if Jesus were to appear in the flesh here and come and visit, and he'd come and have a few words with you he would say, well done. Stay the course you're on. You guys are a really good church. He loves, he loves the fact that you combine word and spirit, that you love the truth of the Bible and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and is working. And you've received both of those gifts from him and you're, you're eager to get the, 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 the best out of both of those. He loves the way you look, the checkered look, the mosaic. I mean, this is this is Jesus' dream for the church, isn't it? You read the New Testament, and I mean, it's Jews and Gentiles and, and all the races and all the languages and all the dialects and all the accents all put together, united around a love for one king and one kingdom. And, uh, and this is one of the signs that God is having his way in our hearts, is we're able to be together and to love each other despite our differences. And you guys, I mean, visually, I just look out there and you got all the colors of the rainbow, not just in your faces, but in your coats and jackets and things like that. And uh, God loves that. He loves your heart for the church, capital C, that you realize this is a congregation, but we don't have... All that God is doing here is doing a variety of things beyond us and we love everything that he's part of. And I just think of that impact thing that you guys just talked about. I mean, who, who does? What you guys do where you, you, know, you give way more than 10% of, of what you have away to other ministries. I mean, who does that? Well, Grace does that. And, and the Lord loves that. Just your, your recognition that you're part of a bigger body, a worldwide movement, and you give and empower other ministries. I mean, the Lord would say, well done. And, uh, and then just your heart for the city, the way you feed people, the way you counsel people, the way you medically care for people, the sports camps you do, the tutoring you do to push back the darkness and, uh, and to help you guys who are the light get out into dark places so people can see that there's another way to do life other than, other than the enemy's way. There's a, there are people who found life and, and you know as long as you keep it bottled up in here, people don't know that. But the way you guys get out and take the light into the darkness, the Lord would say, well done. So I just want you to know, again, as I said, Bev and I are retired. We're free to go wherever we want. We want to be here because, God, this is, God, this is a good church, great church. And uh, we love being part of you. It's a privilege to be with you. Amen. So it's good to be back. Good to be back. All right. Hey, uh, this morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of the truth about marriage, the truth about marriage and... Um, The reason I want to do this is because as a church staff, as your leaders, they recognize they really want to help strengthen marriages this year. That's one of the things we want to do in 2018. And the reason is, uh, and we're going to see why in a minute, your marriage is very important to God. There are some things he wants to do in you and through you and for you through that marriage. And he knows the enemy wants to devour and eat it. And uh, so we really want to be helpful to you in your marriage. And I just wanna mention while we're still fresh and you're still engaged, there are going to be there are three things we wanna do very specifically to be helpful in this area. Um, first, we, we have a, uh, a ministry here called Divorce Care. And, and we recognize you know that a number of us have been through just the trauma and the wound and the, the pain of a, a broken marriage. And God is the restorer, the rebuilder. He gives back the years that the locusts have eaten. And if you've been through that, you need to know there is great hope for you, and uh, God wants to restore, and one of the first steps towards that is just to heal up from the wounds and the bruises of a, of a marriage that's broken, and so if that's you, you need to know God has not departed from you. He loves you. He has hope for you. There's a there's a restoring, a rebuilding, a giving back that he wants to do as you come uh, and allow him to heal the wounds. So that's uh, divorce care that's coming up. You can see the details on that. Um, second thing is, is a marriage building workshop called Love After Marriage. This is an intensive 10-week uh, marriage workshop. Bev and I actually are going to lead that. It starts in about two weeks. And this is really designed to help you build greater oneness. Um, oneness spiritually, oneness emotionally, oneness sexually, physically. And, uh, and that's what this is all about. And, and what you see in this is, is in this course, if you took the course that we did last uh, time, this is kind of goes farther and deeper. It's kind of step two, and it's really designed uh, to, to give you the things that build greater oneness. And uh, it's designed to help you be more open and honest, to have nothing hidden. So that there is an openness that really pulls you together. Designed to help you reconcile if there have been wounds. To help you heal those so there's peace rather than resentment. It's designed to really teach you to hear God. Many of you long to hear God. You wonder, what does it mean when God speaks? And a big part of this uh, workshop is to create space for you to hear God. And to recognize his voice and to respond. And so this is not just a, a horizontal husband wife. This is vertical, you and God kind of a thing. And it's really designed to give you the tools to kind of break through some of the barriers that keep couples at a frustrating distance from each other. So uh, if you sense this is a season uh, for you to really focus on your marriage, uh, we encourage you to join us. And uh, got some flyers. I'm just going to put them down here on the stage. You can kind of pick these things up, kind of gives you the specifics of that. And the third thing that uh, we want to give you very specifically and practically to kind of help you with marriage is there's a little uh, worksheet here called Getting God's Direction. And at the beginning of the year, this is kind of a time when you, uh, you know, you, you really want to know what does God have for us for the coming year. And this little workshop called Getting God's Direction, it's designed to give you as a couple or you as an individual. This also very much for singles. It just leads you through a process of Looking at your life, the important parts, personally, your marriage, your family, your work, your ministry, and give God an opportunity to speak to you and you to hear what he has for you. And I'd encourage you just to pick one of these up, spend about a half a day away with God to let him give you direction for the coming year. So that's up there if you'd like that. Okay, let me just say a word to singles before we jump into this. Because whenever you speak on marriage, there's always a danger that uh, in some way we will hurt uh, wound, neglect, you singles, and I just want to say to you, those of you who are single, I'm going to say some, some strong things about marriage, about the importance of it, the value of it, what God does through it, but in saying this, I want to say to you who are single, for whatever reason, whatever stage of life, first of all, as a single, you are not incomplete you are complete. You're a whole person. God loves you. He, he, you are his son. You are his daughter. Uh, there's nothing of less value to you than a married person. Okay. That's important. Uh, you need to know you're not missing out in the sense that there are lots of things God does in a married couple through their marriage. God does the same things for you as a single person, just through friendships and work and life in general. So you're not missing out. And, uh, and I just think that's, that's so important that you understand. And so you need to not resent the fact you're single, not be embarrassed or ashamed about that. You are complete. You are not missing out. And, and you're not, you know, on the sidelines as far as being used. The truth is, as a single person, uh, the Bible tells us your life is simpler. It's more focused in many ways. You have a nimbleness about your life. You have an availability about your life that makes you even more useful to God in the kingdom. Uh, during these years. And I encourage you to make the most of it. I'd also say that the things that we're going to say about marriage apply equally to you. Many of the things, many of the principles are God's word to you. So lean in, listen in. The other thing about singles is for many of you, there's going to be a time in the future when God will lead you and, and you may wind up getting married. And what we have to say today will help you to choose wisely and to get off to a good start. So Married or single, lean in, you wanna hear. What's true about marriage. So here's what I want to do. I want to go to the uh, longest passage in the Bible on marriage. And it's not long. It's only three paragraphs. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 starting at verse 15. If you, if you have your Bible or your, your phone there and you can get to one. I want you to read along with me so you can hear the very words of God. If you don't you can pick up a Bible from under your seat. But Ephesians 5 starting at verse 15. Let's just stand up. These are the words of God. And let's stand as we read them. It just reminds us that we are listening to God himself as we hear these words. God says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we're members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh." This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now these are the very words of God. Please be seated. I wanna talk about four things that come out of this passage that God tells us about marriage. Four truths, Truth truth number one, Is that marriage is a very good thing. It's a very good thing. When we allow God to gift us for us. And when we allow God to train us to do it his way. And I say those two things important. Because it takes a gifting. To do marriage God ways takes a whole new heart. We can't do marriage this way with the old heart with which we're born. The old heart is very me centered. It's just, it is severely self-absorbed and it's unable. It is incapable of giving to the extent that God calls us to give in marriage. And so we need a new heart. Now, the good news is this is one of the things Jesus Christ came to give us. Not just forgiveness of sin. He did come to die, so we have forgiveness of sin and freedom from condemnation and freedom from the fear of judgment because our sin's been paid for. But there's another thing he came to give us. A whole new heart through the gift of the Holy Spirit, through his love. I mean, the truth is, when we experience the love of God, it has a melting, mellowing effect. It transforms us. It transforms us from from people who are, who are kind of combative and, and suspicious and, 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 and uh, ungenerous and self-absorbed, it has a transforming. If anybody has experienced the mercy and the patience and the kindness and the generosity of God, you just know I can't be the old way. I have an obligation. If somebody's been that good to me, I have an obligation to pass it on. And it transforms. The love of God transforms our heart. Uh, and, it, and, it, and it changes us. And, uh, and so I'm just saying. To, do, to have this, this marriage that God is describing here. It takes a new heart. It takes coming and saying. God I need you to remake me. I give myself to you. I want you. you know, I give myself to your son. I need to be born again. I need a new heart. And the promise of God. A new heart. Listen to what he says. If you'll come to me, you'll give yourself to me. One of the wonderful promises, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I'll take away the stony heart. That's how God describes our old born innate heart. It's a stony heart. It's hard. It's all about me. It has no room for you. I'll take away that stony heart out of your heart, and and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll give you a soft heart, a warm heart. I'll make you capable of loving somebody other than yourself. I'll transform you from a taker to a giver. From a very self-absorbed, unattractive person into a beautiful person who gives and is able to do marriage this way. That's what I mean. So when we talk about gifted and then trained, The truth is, you know, we start, we're born again, we we get started. But learning to do life and marriage God's way is a lifelong process. I'm just saying it takes a lifetime to be transformed into somebody who does marriage the way God does it. But if we'll allow him to give us a new heart by giving our lives to Jesus Christ and allowing him to forgive our sin and make us new through his Holy Spirit... And if we'll allow him to train us through his word and his spirit and transform us from the way we're born to the way he wants us to be before we die and pass into his kingdom, marriage is a very good thing you see this, I mean, you see this uh, in the Genesis account. You remember the story of creation. God created, right, the, the heavens and the earth, and he creates the stars and the, the planet down here and the, and the water and the dry ground and, the, and all the plants and vegetables and, and the animals. And then, and after all that, he says, after each of those, he says, it's good. It was good. It was good. It was good. Then he comes to the pinnacle of creation, and he creates man. He creates us. And you remember he created one, he created Adam. And for the first time in the, in the story, he says, it's not good that this man be alone. There's something for this man to experience the wonder, the richness, the goodness of the life that I have for him, for this man to become what I want him to become. He needs somebody else. And so The climax of creation is the creation of the man. And the climax of the creation of man is the creation of the woman. And he puts them together and he weds them and he sends them off to become one. That's a process. To become one, to merge as companions, as one life together. And they go do the adventure of life of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth and subduing it and ruling over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. That's the adventure of life. And then after he did that, he made them both. He brought them together and he sent them off to become one. at that point, he said he saw all that he made and it was very good. Now it's good. Very good. And you see that as you go through the scriptures, God talks to young men. He says in the Proverbs, he says, he who finds a wife finds a good, what is good, a good thing. For a single man who's out there doing life by himself, he says, listen, if you like life by yourself, you need to know something. It's far better with a good woman than it is all by yourself. Men, you need to hear that. You need a good woman. You'll kill yourself. You'll die prematurely. It's true. Studies show the most unhealthy thing you can do as a man is to stay single. You need a good woman to keep you alive for your full, right? All yeah, right? That's true. She'll, she'll keep you healthy. She'll get you to the doctor. She'll make you wear your seatbelt. She'll make you come home at night. She'll <laughs> keep you off the streets and out of dangerous places. You'll live a lot longer with a good woman. And that's what God says. He says he who finds a wife finds what is good Right? And receives favor. There are some things, some richness, some wonderful things about life, you you know, that that God does through this thing of of a marriage done his way. Now, it's also true. I don't want to be Pollyanna about this. You guys know this from your own life, your own experience. When we don't do marriage God's way, it is not a very good thing. It can be excruciatingly painful. True? It's also true when we allow him to give us a new heart and to train us to reprogram us, to change the way we do life with each other, it's a very good thing. And you see that all through the scriptures. Um, yeah, now, why is it a very good thing? Well, you see it in this passage. As you read this passage, uh, I was thinking about this. It's like watching uh, the, the figure skaters. We're about to do the, uh, the Olympics. And, and you'll, you'll see this. And you know how they do those pair f- figure skating? And I mean, there's a beauty to that, isn't it? As you see two people move as one. I mean, there's an elegance, there's a wonder. It's beautiful to watch. Uh, I've never done it, but but I've done marriage, I can tell you, it is beautiful to experience when you get two people moving as one. It's a beautiful thing to watch. As you read this passage, If you let your heart engage with what's going on here, you realize that what God is describing here in Ephesians, when he's talking about marriage his way, it is a beautiful thing to see. And it's a beautiful thing to experience. There is a wonderful oneness. That's what he's talking about here. Goes all the way back to Genesis. You know, man's to leave his father and mother, he's to cleave, he's to hold on tight, He's to, he, he's to connect in a, in an intimate, wonderful way with his wife and they shall become one flesh. There's a oneness, there's a wonderful oneness when we do it God's way, always coming back to that. And you see it, there's a wonderful devotion in this thing. Uh, there's a mutual submission when we, when we allow God to give us a new heart and to train us To transform us from all about me and fighting for my rights and my position and being assertive and, and getting fulfilling my dreams. And I set that aside and I realized, wait a minute, there's something much better about life and that is giving myself to another human being to help them become all that God wants them to be. And you see that here. He talks about submitting to one another. This is radical. This is revolutionary. This is not the stuff you see on afternoon TV. This is something heavenly, otherworldly. He says they submit to one another. What does that mean? Submit. It's the Greek word, hupa Tasso means to place. Uh, hupo means under, hypodermic, right? Hypothermic, underneath. So what does it mean? It means they, they submit, they, each of them places themselves under the other. And they both have a way of doing life together that's you first. You first. Can you imagine what life would be like if people lived you first? What it would be like at, at the workplace, if your boss thought you first, if your coworker you first. Can you imagine what life is like home, if when you come home that you come home to a person who you know is you first? I'm just saying, when people are knocking themselves out to take care of each other, we have a different planet. You have a different marriage. You have a different home. That's marriage God's way. Each of them submits you first to one another. You see that, they, they, it, it, it's marked by, by this devotion, it, it, not only you first, but uh, before me, but it's you before all others, I leave my father and mother, that's the closest relationship, and I cleave to my wife, and each of them, in each of their hearts, this other person is the most important person in my life more important than my father, or my mother, or my brothers, or my sisters, or my friends, or my boss at work, the most important person in my life is this person God has given me. That's marriage, God's way. And so there's not neglect or abandonment, but there's this sense that I've got one person in the world to whom I am the most important thing in their life when it comes to human beings. This is marriage, God's way. There's unusual peace. They're not fighting for whose head or whose control. They accept the the order of God. A woman, look, he he talks about it. Uh, A woman so respects and trusts this man, she puts her her life in his hands, and it's not unwillingly. The tense of the verb here, when it talks about uh, wives, submit, it's a middle tense. It doesn't mean this is something that's done to you or imposed on you. This is something you want to do. Because of the quality of the man's life, because of the direction he's going, I want to join him. I want to help him get there. I want to sacrifice my independence and stop skating independently over here. I want to skate with this man. We're going to be a pair. And we're going to be great together, far greater together than either of us could be by ourselves. This is marriage, God's way. It's a wonderful thing. There's a peace And so she sacrificed her independence and she comes and says, I'm with you. I'm joining you. I want to help you become and do all that God has for you. Because I love who you are and where you're going. And the man takes his responsibility as the head of this thing. And he doesn't use his power and his strength and his authority to get his own way. He uses his power and his strength as a man and his authority as the head to give what she needs. You see that? I mean, that's in here. He is the head of the home, but how is he to be head? He's to be head as Christ is the head of the church. He came down out of heaven to be with us and to die in our place so we don't have to die and we can have life and to teach us and to provide for us and take care of us. This is, this is husbanding the kingdom way. Am I the head of my home? Absolutely. I'm responsible for the care of my wife and my children. And I'm responsible to give and to sacrifice and to serve the way Jesus sacrifices and serves. And so I use all my strength to take good care of this woman whom God has given to me. Now that's the kind of man no woman would wanna leave, right? That's the kind of woman no man would wanna leave they're moving together they're moving there's peace there's an intimacy it says they become one flesh obviously that's a it's a picture you know one flesh you know what that means they put their bodies together they have sex they connect they're they're intimate, but, but it's more than just a physical intimacy. It's a, spiritually. They're together. They're following God together. They have the same dream. They want to live for eternal things and what they're created for, and, and they want to live for God and his kingdom together. They're companions in the great kingdom adventure, and they're emotionally one. There's an openness, nothing hidden. They're naked and unashamed. That's the picture. No secrets, no hiding. There's kind of an emotional openness and they're physically one. They enjoy each other's bodies and get comfort and, and safety and security from the things that come you know, through physical oneness. There's that intimacy. There's that unity. We're living, you know, we're living to fulfill God's dream for our life. God is what our life is all about. We came from him. We're going to him. And we're going to help each other get there. And when we get there, we want to help each other to have lived a life that he can say, well done, and we can enjoy eternity together and with all of his people. I mean, that's what our life is about. And there's a permanence. Part of that one flesh means, as Jesus says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And we give each other the assurance, I'm here to the end. If you outlive me, you'll bury me. If I outlive you, I'll bury you. But I'm not leaving. Now, all I'm saying, can you see this? This is a beautiful thing to experience. It's what we all long for in our hearts. It's why we love certain songs. It speaks about this kind of love between a man and a woman. It's why we love love stories when we read them. It's like we we love love stories when we see them. Because something deep inside us wants oneness with these things. Devotion and peace, intimacy, unity, permanence. God has put it in your heart. Part of being made in the image of God. It's the life God has with with himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is their life together. And the reason he's made you is so you can taste what he has been experiencing from all eternity. With one person, that person you're married to, you get a little bit of taste of what it's like to have the life of the Father, Son, and Spirit together when it's done his way, right? It's a very good thing. So let me suggest as a resolution to those of you that are married for 2018 to go for it. And what I mean by, look, God has a dream for a wonderful oneness. It's gonna take us a lifetime to get there of letting him change us and transform us. So we really live this way. We allow each other to enjoy each other in this way. So let's go for it. Let's not settle for where we're at. Let's press into God and let's move on to something far better than we have. Because God's dream is something far better than what you have. It's this. Second truth about marriage is that marriage is a very big thing. And what I mean by that is if you are a married person, a huge part of what God wants to do in your life, he wants to do through your marriage. A huge part of the joy and the delight and the richness of life that he wants to give. He wants to give through that man, that woman to whom you're married. A big part of his changing you from a taker to a giver, of making you holy, of making you like him, comes through the way you do life together at home. A big part of is revealing himself. I mean, he talks about himself as a good, faithful husband. Well, men, if your wife is going to make any sense of that, she needs to see a good, faithful husband. If she's going to understand God and his mercy and his patience and his loyalty and his generosity and his kindness, he needs, she needs to see that in you. And God calls us as his followers to be a faithful wife, not an adulterer, not an idolater, not an unfaithful woman. That's one of his figures for his people who wander from him and give themselves to other things. Well, women, if your husband's to understand what God wants from him to be a faithful follower, he needs to know what it's like to live with a faithful woman. Who loves him and is faithful to him and stays with him. All I'm saying is, as you study the scriptures, and then then you see this from the context. This whole book, Ephesians, isn't about being a husband and wife. Not about raising kids. not about doing work. It's not about sexual morals or ethics. All of those things it touches on. But the point of the book is the big picture of what God is trying to do in your life. He's trying to, he says, he starts out, he says, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And, and, And he's called us to be holy and blameless before him in love. Chosen us to be adopted as sons and daughters. He's telling us, I'm in the process of redeeming the whole creation. I'm in the process of transforming you from children of the devil. That is people who reflect The character who talk like and act like and think like and feel like the devil to children of God. People who talk like and act like and feel like and desire and love the things of God. That's what I'm doing. That's what this book is about. It's about the wonderful calling of God to be transformed. So that we share God in the end. We get to be part of the kingdom of his son, Jesus, as he's head over all things and brings righteousness and peace to the earth. And he wants you to be part of that. And part of that is to prepare you by transforming you so that you reflect his character. Now, the first thing that you see, he, after that's what all that is up to this point. The first place he goes when he says, okay, that's what we're doing. We're, we're being transformed. We're being made holy. We're being blameless. We're being made more like God. We're, we're being taught how to love and give the way God gives. The first place he goes is here. Marriage. Wives. Let's start with your husbands. Husbands. Let's start with your wives. That's what marriage, that's the root of it. It's to teach you to love one person the way God loves you. And to give you a lifetime to learn to do it. I remember uh, one of the guys who shaped me as a young man, as a uh, teacher at Dallas Seminary, Howard Hendricks, for 50 or 60 years, he was a professor there. And he's kind of a mentor of uh, Bev and mine. And he used to say to us men, he says, men, he says, listen, if your religion doesn't work at home, don't export it. What was he saying? He's saying when it comes to learning to be filled with the spirit and and to know theology and to know the word of God and to understand the things of God, the first place that should show itself is the way you treat your wife, your husband. If you're not doing it there, don't go out and preach it and teach it. It's not authentic. It starts at home. And that's, that's the way the book is written. It's talking about the great calling of God to be transformed into holy men and women, upright and clean and godlike. And he says, the first place to go to practice this, the primary fitness center, uh, uh, practice field, the place you do this is your own home, starting with your marriage. That's what I mean when I say it's a big thing. This is where God does in you the primary things he wants to do in you. And if you can learn to love that woman, to give yourself to that man, to do life in this way at home, you are the real thing. You're the real thing. You can do it elsewhere. And so a good resolution is just to focus on this. All I'm saying is, you know, it's easy to say, you know, life is kind of crummy at home, but... I've got this ministry over here. I've got this women's Bible study. I'm doing well at the office. I'm, you know, I'm helping my kids and their sports teams. No buts. Remember, look, let's go back and get it right in marriage. Let's focus here. Because when you ask God what really matters, this is what matters to him most. Not how I look out there. It's how I am in here. Doesn't work at home, don't export it. Focus on it. Uh, This is a good time. That's where it might be good to pick up one of these sheets, sit down with your husband and wife, say, hey, how are we doing? Where do we need? Where do we need to strengthen? What do we need to build so that we are pleasing and honoring God and giving life to each other? Third truth about marriage. Marriage is a very hard thing. It is a hard thing. We don't want to be Pollyanna. We've already talked. It is impossible without receiving the gift of a new heart. You all understand that, right? A new heart. That's where, you know, I come to Christ. I give my life to Christ. He comes into me through his Holy Spirit. He gives me a new heart. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to resolve to be a better person. The truth is you can't be a much better person than you are. Most of you are trying as hard as you can to be the best person you know how to be. Right? And it's still pretty crummy, right? It is, because with a hard heart, you can't get very far as far as being a very nice person, right? You're just hard-hearted. So we need a new heart. And that comes as I give my life to Christ, and I receive the Holy Spirit, and I, and I learn about it, and I realize the love of God, and I'm transformed from a little devil into somebody who really wants to love and follow God, right? And then we need to be taught. We need to learn. That's why it talks about understanding things. Anyway, it's a very hard thing. It's, it's not easy. And the reason is we face some powerful opposition. There are some strong forces. That's why Paul starts out here. Now he's talking about, okay, now we, we, we want to fulfill the will of God. We want to be transformed. But he, he starts out and he says, now be very careful then. The, the word is to see. The, the Greek word there is to see. Open your eyes. Watch out. And it's the time of a term when you're alerting somebody to danger saying, watch out, look out, it's dangerous out there. There are some things that will keep you from drawing near to God and keep you from fulfilling his dream in your marriage. This is not easy. There are powerful things working against you. He goes on, he said, uh, you know, be careful. He says, redeem the time. And it's a marketplace word. The picture is a woman sitting in front of a stack of fruit, and she's carefully picking out the fruit because they're good ones and they're rotten ones. That's the picture. You know You know how you feel tomatoes, or you, you feel peaches, or you, you women know how to do this, and some of them are too hard, and some of them are too soft, and some of them have worms in them, and you want to get the right ones to take home. That's the picture here. It says, redeem the time. Make the most of the time. All he's saying is, listen, you live in a world in which the message is coming at you. Some of them are good, and some of them are rotten. And you need to be very careful as you listen to the TV, as you listen to the talk shows, as you watch the stuff that you're watching and read the stuff you're reading. Some of that stuff is really good and some of it is deadly toxic. So he's just saying, be careful what you give your heart to and who you idolize and who you listen to. Because some of it will give you life and some of it will lead you right over the cliff. And so he's saying, look, it's dangerous. Um, Then he goes on. He says, the days are evil. He's not being a pessimist. He's just telling the truth about the world we live in. And there are three dangers. You look at the the danger. What makes it hard? I'll tell you. Dangers. It's pretty easy to remember. Three Ds, right? Depravity. My own sin. That thing in me that is just severely self-absorbed and is strangely drawn to destructive stuff. We all know what I mean right? I've got it. You've got it. Um, then there's damage. There's things that have happened to us. Uh, by the time you get to be where you guys all be, you have been abused. You've been traumatized. You've been mistreated. You've been abandoned. You've been taken advantage of. And every one of those bruises and wounds, if I don't deal with that, if I don't bring forgiveness to that, if I don't deal with that, it's gonna harden my heart. It's gonna make me suspicious. It's gonna make me untrusting. It's gonna make me uh, distanced. It's gonna close up my heart so I won't give myself to you. I won't risk it because I've been hurt before. If I don't deal with that damage, I will not be able to give love or receive love. And that's a big deal in a marriage because is all about marriage. It's all about giving and receiving love. I've gotta deal with some of that damage. And finally, they're demons. They're supernatural evil that visits and tempts and lies and deceives and discourages. And, and, you know, half the stuff you believe is false about God, about you, about life, about what gives happiness. And so, you know, merit, the, these things are dangerous. Uh, when I was in the Air Force, uh, as a young pilot. And they, uh, the Air Force sent me to... I'm uh still in my ear. Anyway, the Air Force, to make me really glad that I'm in the Air Force, they sent me a a, a summer with the Army. They figured if I was with the Army, I'd really be glad to be in the Air Force, and it was true. And uh, so part of that summer, I went down to the jungle school down in Panama, down in Central America. This was during the Vietnam War, and so we're learning jungle warfare. So I remember going down, and the guys who were trainers were these Panamanian uh, Indians uh who you know grew up and lived in the jungle and they they got us all together and they knew we were I mean the jungle's a scary place I mean it's dark and creepy and damp and all that stuff and most of us were scared so so they said hey gentlemen this is what they said gentlemen the the jungle they said the jungle is neutral it's neither for you nor against you nothing to be afraid of well i remember uh it wasn't long after that, I went to where they had us sleeping. We were sleeping in these lean-tos on, on, on kind of wood, uh, wood benches. That's where we, we slept at night. I remember lifting up one of those wood benches, and it, and it was a bunch of scorpions. And I said, wait a minute. The jungle isn't neutral. I mean, these things, this is dangerous. I remember standing, uh, I was standing guard uh, uh, they, they did this. We did this exercise we had a group and you have to stand guard. And I was standing on my guard post at night and I looked up and there's a snake coming down the, the tree, you know, creeping down the tree. I mean, I deserted my post. Was, uh, <laughs> I'm not, not going to stand guard here. I'm going to go over here. The jungle is not neutral. It's got scorpions, it's got snakes. These things bite and sting. And uh, this is what Paul is saying saying, men and women, the world is not neutral. There are some things that push back that make it very hard to walk with God and to fulfill his will in your life and your marriage. You need to be aware of them. And these are some of the things you need to be aware of. And uh, so, so you see that. So I think one of the resolutions for this next year is, look, you, you can sense. You can sense where the danger, you can see the snakes, you can see the scorpions that threaten you. In some of you, it's lies that you believe. And you know, there are messages that replay themselves about your worthlessness, your separation, about distrusting that keep you guarded and distrust and closed up and make you incapable of giving or receiving love. Those are lies. There's sin. There are things in your life, attitudes and ways of talking and tones of voice and things that you may be doing that you know are creating a giant hole in your life emotional and spiritual tank and you have to hide it and you're afraid of being caught at it and 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 you're ashamed of it you're embarrassed about it and it's just sucking the life out of you and out of your marriage i mean that's what i mean by by dealing with this stuff don't let that go on there's 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 hard feelings unresolved wounds where there's never been forgiveness asked or extended and, it, and it's just caused a dislike, a coldness, a frozenness to come over your heart towards the person you're with. And you know, that's, that, that it's going to stay that way unless we deal with it and we get it out. So let me just suggest that a resolution for 2018 is where the dangers, where the scorpions the snakes are threatening your life and your marriage. Let's say this is the year We deal with it listen sometimes that involves getting help bev and i taught marriage at focus on the family that's the premier family ministry in the world we were the senior fellows for marriage we're the experts you need to know there have been six or seven times in our marriage we've had to go for help because we can't fix what's broke you hear that going to pastors going to a counselor going to a friend saying You know, we are eating each other alive. We need somebody to help us stop. Now, that's true of us. You just need to know it may be true of you. And if it is, get help. The difference between couples who make it, and by make it, I don't mean just stay married. I'm talking about experience the very good marriage that God has. The difference between those who make it and those who don't is not that these are strong and these are weak. It's that these get help and these don't. So if there's time to get help, say, hey, let's go together. Let's go to the counseling center. Let's come in here to the listening prayer team. Let's be humble enough to lay out where we're stuck. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble who are willing to tell the truth. Right? Deal with it. Last thing that I want to say about uh, truth is that marriage is a very God thing. What do I mean by that? I mean, the only way we can have the kind of marriage that God talks about, the very good thing, that thing that is beautiful to watch and beautiful to live and experience, the only way to have that is to have a close walk with God. It's to allow God to have his way in my life. We're not talking about being a super Christian here. We're just talking about someone who genuinely understands God loves me and genuinely in the depth of my heart wants to please him. And I do the things that a person does if they want to follow God. I make space in my life for God to speak to me through his word. I make a time where I'm sitting down and I'm reading his book and I'm engaged with my heart. And I'm saying, God, will you, you teach me how to do life. I don't want to learn life from the TV. I don't want to learn life from the movies or from the music or from the radio station or from the celebrities or, you know, the sports guys. I want to learn life from you because you know it. And so I make space for God to, to, to listen, to read his book, to learn his ways, right? I make, space, I make space to talk to him so I can express, Lord, this is what I need. I mean, God is real. He's there. He listens. Asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking it shall be opened, Jesus said. I talk to him. When the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he's calling me to, to, to back off, to restrain, to, to pull away, I listen. When he prompts me to move, I move. In other words, I I listen to God. I trust him, and I trust him enough to obey him. And uh, so, you know, God is, is, it's a God thing. And you see that. You see that again in the text. If you look at these three paragraphs, one, two, three. Paragraph two is to wives. Paragraph three is to husband. Paragraph one is about you and God. And what God is saying is if you want goodness and wholeness and health and the very good thing, at home you need me to do it you need to allow me to teach you you need to allow me to transform your heart you need me to allow you need to allow me to love you and soften your heart so that you don't have a hard heart a stony heart but you've got a heart of flesh you're able to love somebody else because you've been loved by me and that's what this is all about listen that's not just preacher talk That is the truth. If you study marriage, let me tell you what marriage studies show. Marriage studies show when it comes to divorce, general population, the divorce rate, one in two. Among church-going people, people who are nominal Christians, people for whom God is out on the edge, he's kind of in their life but out on the edge, it's the same, one in two. What does that say? When it comes to having the kind of marriage God wants, Nominal religion is of no value whatsoever. And the reason is, I mean, it's common sense. If I don't really care how God feels, then when I want to do stuff that's self-destructive and self-damaging, you know, I want to watch pornography, I want to go have an affair, I want to, you know, get, get high on drugs, I want to kind of leave and do my own thing. If I don't really care what God thinks, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. But if I have a healthy fear of God, and I have a healthy love for God, then what he thinks matters a great deal for me. And when that pull, and it comes to all of us, to do stupid stuff comes, I will care more about God and what he feels than I will about doing my stupid thing. And he'll restrain me from doing the things that cut and damage and wound and destroy And he'll move me to do the hard things that are required to draw near. Now, here's the good news. The divorce rate among people who live a life devoted to Jesus. And I'm not talking about super. I'm just talking about people who just pursue God in a genuine way and care about God. One in 1,051. Now that's statistically significant. One in two, one in 1,051. You get two people who give themselves to just walk with God with all their heart in just the simple kinds of ways that, that, you know, making room for his word and to pray and to be with people and and, and, and to really follow him, you're more likely to get hit by lightning than you are to see your marriage explode, right? What is this saying? It means the key to a great marriage is a close walk with God to allow him to give you a new heart and to teach you to do life in a heavenly way, which is far better than an earthly way. So, what's the resolution? This is the year drawn near to God. If there are things you know that are pulling and tearing and draining your life with God, repent. And, and, and put it away. Come back to God so that he can, he can give you the life he wants you to give. Plug those holes in the, in the tank. Deal with the things that you know are creating distance between you and God. And then make space. Make space for him to come and love on you and talk to you. And you to talk to him. And you get to realize God is far more real than you realize. He's far nearer than you realize. He's far more powerful to work in your life than you realize. Draw near to God. So those are the the truths that come out of this passage. Right? Marriage, when we allow God to to change us to gift us with a new heart and learn his ways it's a very good thing. It's a wonderful thing. For all of us who are married, it's a very big thing. What God wants to do at home is a huge part of what he wants to do in your life on the earth. You want to pay attention don't neglect that marriage to be great someplace else. You know it's a it's a very God thing. It's a very difficult thing. And so we need to deal directly with the things that threaten. And it's a God thing we need to draw near. Amen. Hey, let's stand up. Stand up, shall we? And want to make room to respond. You know, one of the wonderful things about this church is before, before we have a service like this, we have a group that's praying and listening to the Lord about what he wants to do. And I just want to tell you what the Lord has been speaking about this morning. And, um, and if this is you, we'd really like to pray for you. The Lord saw you. He knows where you are. He, he, wants, he wants to provide you uh, some ministry. So I'd like to ask if the ministry team, if you guys would come down and just kind of spread yourselves out along the front here so people know where you are. First thing we had is just, uh, we just heard the word perseverance. And, some of, some, and you'd know if this is you. Some of you are right on the verge of kind of giving up and you'd know what that means. I mean, that's not everybody, but, the, but there's some of you, I mean, you'd you, you have this going on in your head, you know. I might as well give up on God, give up on my marriage, give up on life perhaps. And the Lord just wants to restore uh, hope to you and you know who that is. If that's you, come on down. We just wanna pray the Spirit of God would come and restore uh, strength to persevere and hope. Uh, leg pain. Uh, you know, one of the wonderful things is God is here, He, he, he heals. Um, you know sometimes he does sometimes he doesn't we don't always understand, but sometimes he does, and the only way you know is to is to ask and so if you've got leg pain, hips, knees, ankles, that kind of thing, we'd like to pray that God would bring healing and relief uh, this morning and uh, uh, the other one they had hope specifically for marriage, and you'd know you know where you are in your marriage, and if, if there's some area that you really sense boy we, We just need uh, new hope. And there's some things, some specific things, you know, God, you you want God to do. We love to pray and just watch him work. Finally, uh, just some of you, as you've been listening to this, you know, hey, I need Jesus. I need that new heart. I need to get born again. I need to become a new person. I need God to come inside me, transform me. And the way that happens is very simple. You just, you know, you say, Lord, here I am. Thank you for loving me, dying for me. I give my life to you. Come into me and make me a new person. And our senses are some of you, just as you were listening, worshiping, you said, that's me. This is the time. I need to give my life to Christ. That's you. Come on up. We'd love to have you. Father, we just want to say thanks. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for your word. Thanks for the rich life that you want to give us as we give ourselves to you. And Lord, we just tell you, thanks for loving us. We love you back. And uh, pray you'd fill us with your spirit so we can honor your name as we go out and live among the people uh, that we're with this week. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, come on up if we can pray for you. Have a good Sunday.